The reading is from Matthew 14, verses 22 to 33. In the Church Bibles, it can be found on page 981. 981. Matthew 14, verses 22 to 33. Jesus walks on the water. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began, and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Peter, shall we, as he comes to to preach and speak to us. Father, thank you for Peter. Thank you for all he's done uh, amongst us this year, both here and at Rockwoodine. And Lord, we pray for him now as he speaks your words, that you would empower him and that he would know your pleasure as he speaks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Peter. Well, this is it. Time just flies. <laughs> I can't believe that it's been almost a year. It feels like it's just, I had just arrived maybe two, two months ago. When I first saw the rain, uh, I do have that thoughts or wonder whether God wants you to, you know, apply what you had learned today and try to walk on those water, maybe, maybe those paddles. No, it's not from God, it's from me, so... Just trying to forget that, all right? <laughs> right. Have you guys ever go into adventure, go into an, um, an adventurous travel? When I say it about adventurous travel, it could be some traveling. Right. Um, probably. Um, carry on, all right. Um, have you guys ever go into some adventurous travel, perhaps like an impromptu trip, 
impromptu tree, which is like probably you decide to go somewhere tomorrow and you just hit the road down, don't know, M5, M4, don't ask me any roads about. Um, so just hit the road and go to somewhere and explore. I had done a qu quite a few travels around UK and I'm fortunate enough to travel to Paris and Rome and I'm really, really um, great to see and explore those places. But throughout those journey, um, traveling, those adventurous travel, it's not always glamorous. It's not always uh, ups. There are some downs moments. So I would like to share one of the stories that I found online about traveling. So there is um, a wife and a husband. They travel to Jerusalem. So unfortunately, the wife dies quietly in her sleep. The next day, the man goes to the grave digger to make the necessary arrangement. The grave digger says, I can bury her here for 500 pounds or have her shipped back home with you for 1,000 pounds. The man briefly considers his options and decides for her to be shipped home. The grave digger is stunned and he asks, why pay so much to have her sent back when she could be buried in the Holy Land, Jerusalem, and the man gets very close and whisper. A long time ago, a man was buried here, and three days later he come back. I can't take that chance with her. <laughs> now, speaking about my adventurous journey right now, my adventurous journey is not so much about traveling. Ultimately, it's about the involvements with Christchurch Basin Hill, especially um, the involvement with the youth ministry in Christchurch Basin Hill and Rockerline and Youth for Christ Shrewsbury. Leading the youth groups, leading the worships, and building those fellowships and friends, not just young people, youngsters, it's far beyond that loop. It's with you guys as well. So it's been a very adventurous journey to know you guys and journey with you guys and journey with the young people. And one of the sermons that when it comes to adventurous travel, it always uh, re um, recall me a lot about this story, Jesus Walk on the Water. So today I would like to share um, this passage, the adventurous travel of Peter, not this Peter, but at Peter the Rock. Um, so the first sermon, the first verse that I want everyone, including me, to look into is verse 28, a very short statement. Command me to come. Last week, a TV show, um, um, Andrew and I, we watched a TV shows, and there's this guy uh, shared a story about how his mom calling him back for dinner. So I can't really do the whistle. You just have to stick um, the fo these fingers in your mouth, probably stuck your tongue, and then just blow it, and it will sort of like create the whistle um, sound. That's something that how the mom called their sons back home for dinner. So whenever that their, uh, when the mom get the dinner ready, she just have to blow the whistle, and he and his brother will manage to will know we'll remember the calling, we'll find that's familiar and come back home for dinner. So that's the son remember, that's how the son remember the mom's calling through the whistle. And for Peter, Peter knew Jesus' calling when 
Jesus said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter, bold enough, um, brave enough to say, If it's you, command me to come to you. When Peter made that statement, say, Command me to come, it's not trying to prove that if you are Jesus, command me to come. That's not the case. Peter knew that Jesus is the Son of God. Peter knew the one who walked on the water is the Son of God, is Jesus. And which is why he knows his power. He knows his capabilities. He knows how much faith he can put in him. And Peter doesn't know because he just stands there and there's a duda happening to him because the storm maybe perhaps and he realized that it is, he is the Son of God. It goes back to the passage above that Jesus feeds the 5,000 and that's not the first time that Peter witnessed that Jesus is actually the Son of God. It goes way back to the first occasion that Peter and Jesus met. The very first time when Jesus and Peter met is actually along the seashore of Sea of Galilee. Peter was fishing, a very unproductive day. And Jesus just came to him. Jesus is not a professional fisherman. And he approached a fisherman and said that, now go back to the Death Sea and throw your net once again. And Peter is unwillingly and being sarcastic, going back to the Death Sea and fish again. And surprisingly, in the morning, he managed to fish a bunch of fish, which turned up that he has actually a productive day. But it is impossible to fish in the morning based on the, um, you know, the nature or the biological explanations. It's impossible to fish in the morning because fish will not easily be um, captured because they're visible. But Jesus, through that incident, showed Peter that actually he is the creator of the universe. He's God. He's actually able to control the universe. And it's from there, linking to these stories, that Jesus knows that he is the Son of God. And that's the difference between Pharisees and Peter the Rock. Pharisees trying to ask Peter, um, Pharisees trying to ask Peter, to, um, sorry, ask Jesus to create a miracle to prove that he is Son of God. But Peter asks Jesus because he knows that he is the Son of God. Peter knows that he asked Jesus to come on me to come because Peter knows he can't walk on the water without Jesus' approval, without Jesus. This had reminded me of one of my dad's testimony. My, dad's, uh, my dad is a businessman. He started up a business uh, decades ago. I can't really remember. But initially he was trying out different kind of um, opportunities to start up his business. And one of his um, beliefs is he has to keep searching. And one day God will open up the business. And eventually he came to uh, Umbrella Industries and a and few decades down the road, he had become one of the um, main wholesaler and supplier of umbrellas in ho- the whole West Malaysia. And until right now, he always shared his testimony and he always reminded people that it's not because of him. He can't run the business. He, he will not gain these profits 
without Jesus' blessings. Hence, he always gave a lot of financial support to the church. He always gave a lot of his efforts, no matter uh, financially or um, the support by his um, authority as a church warden um, to the church and his time. So, first, I want you guys to hold on is command me to come. Peter cannot walk on the water without Jesus' approval. Second verse that we want, to, I want, we want to look into is he saw the wind, he was afraid. So, first bit of the um, story of Jesus, um, Jesus' walk on the water. Peter was so focused on Jesus. Peter knew that he can walk on the water through Jesus by focusing on Jesus. But it seems like when he was walking on the water, it's out of his expectations. He started to be distracted by the winds and the storms surrounding him. Speaking about distractions, it reminded me of um, two Pharaoh family members. Surprisingly, it's Rosie Pharaoh and Leo Pharaoh. Both are cats. So Andrew shared this story to me that um, Leo Pharaoh was really focused when it comes to pounce or um, hunt his prey. Whereas Rosie get distracted easily. When he lock on a prey, he will be distracted easily by butterflies or anything flying over his head, her head. So, um, Peter sort of like, very much like Rosie Farrow, that get distracted easily, get distracted by the intensity of the sea and the intensity of the surroundings. And speaking about the um, intensity of um, the wind at Sea of Galilee, it's actually very unpredict- un- unpredictable, very much like British weather. And the huge difference in the heights surrounding the Sea of Galilee. So, firstly, I should let you guys have the, like a vague picture how does the Sea Galilee like. So I've been there before. It actually looks very much like Lake District, but few, um, way bigger than Lake District, way bigger than Grasmere Lake, probably a few times bigger. And you can't really see the, the shore right across the Sea of Galilee because it's too gigantic. So it's the formations of the Sea of Galilee is actually surrounded by the mountains, hills, and the results of the formations of the rocks, the hills, the mountains, and the lake underneath it. It had created a strong wind dropping to the sea, funneling through the hills, and the storm can arise quickly and without any warning. And the depth of the Sea of Galilee is actually just 200 feet depth, in depth, which can't really cope with the winds. Therefore, the wave of the Sea of Galilee is actually can be really intense, can be really ranged. And such shallow, wake, uh, shallow lake um, whipped by the wind, a boat can be rapidly um, hit and it can be really dramatic. And imagine that Peter stepping on the water, walking on it, focusing on Jesus, but distracted by all the waves hitting his leg and distracting him. And it's actually very easily being distracted. And focusing on waves, when he started focusing on waves, he started to have fear. It caused a lot of negative, passive thoughts in him. I just came back from my uh, Eiffel Tower um, last week, there's a small little bit that 
um, above 57 meters that you were actually standing on a glass floor. When you were looking down, it actually feels like you are actually standing above the clouds or standing on nothing, but you were actually standing on a glass. But while looking at the glass, it actually causes you a lot of passive thoughts, passive thoughts. But when I'm looking right in front rather than looking down, it's actually those fears, those anxieties are no longer anymore. So I keep on playing that, you know, uh, with fear, without fear, looking down, with a lot of fears, looking down, um, that's no fears, that's a lot of silly games. And so this is the case of Peter, saw the raging seas not just surrounding him, but underneath his feet, rather than looking at Jesus. And the anxiety and fear had taken over his faith to Jesus. And he starts, he started to have a lot of passive thoughts, negative thoughts, and therefore he started to sink. Despite he's so experienced with such environment, he is a, he was a fisherman. He was so experienced with in such environment. He was in the professional platform of his. Still, he started to sink because he feared. Then, the third bit of the. Bible verse, verse 21. Jesus immediately reached out his hand. Peter knows that he, can, he can't win the battle unless he cried out to Jesus. So he cried out, said, Lord, save me. I like the word immediately because that's so beautiful how God responds to our battle. When, we, when he cried out to Lord, say, Lord, save me, Jesus immediately, Jesus not waiting for him to sink until certain um, death and start to save him. Jesus immediately, immediately, which means like when Peter was sinking and he cried out, Lord, save me, Jesus immediately grabbed him and pulled him up. And of course, typical Jesus say, oh, you little faith. But there's another aspect of saying, oh, you little faith. Peter's faith may be small, but it is big enough to save him from the storm. What's the applications for today's passage? First, I would like to encourage you that, encourage you and I, that ultimately we can't deny that Jesus is the Son of God. We can't deny that He is the Son of God. We can't deny that Jesus is actually the creator of the universe. We can't acknowledge that, we have to acknowledge that no matter how smart or how strong we are, our abilities are limited. And Jesus is the Son of God. Imagine Peter, a fisherman, used to that sort of weather, used to that time of, that period of time of the day, used to that environment, still he started to sink. We really need God, we need Jesus in every aspect of our life, not just in our professions. Secondly, we need Jesus in our career. We need Jesus in, as a parent, as a grandparent, as a British citizen. Speaking about um, every aspect of our lives, it reminded me of one of the testimony that uh, is on press, and I'm proudly to share it to you guys today as a Malaysian citizen. We've been praying for our country for more than a decade or two decades because of the corruptions of our government. And we've been praying 
and lots, it's not just praying, people started to have inspirations to how to make the country a better place. Long story short, we successfully changed our government a um, few months ago uh, in May. Yeah, in May. Unfortunately, I'm, 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 I'm in the UK, so I'm not, I was not in Malaysia. I can't really celebrate or share the joy with them. But I can really see the joy, the sense of joy, the refreshment of the air uh, in Malaysia through the Facebook. So it's actually a testimonial moment that um, through prayers, I believe, and through a lot of hard works of um, people. So we need Jesus in our professions. And when we say we need Jesus in our professions, it's not just saying Jesus is the Son of God to whoever we encounter, but to be like the Son of God in wherever we are. And thirdly, Peter's faith may be small, but it is big enough to save him from the storm. There are times we lose faith. We can't deny we are human beings. We can't deny that we are sinners. And at the same time, we can't deny that Jesus is the Son of God. Therefore, we can always put our trust in Him. Because remember, Peter's faith may be small, but it is big enough to save him from the storm. When we acknowledge our weaknesses and cry out to Him, He will always welcome us with His everlasting arms. I'm going to conclude today's sharing. Back to the adventurous journey uh, in Christchurch Basin Hill and Rockadine. My experience as a youth leader or youth ministry is not kickstart from Christchurch Basin Hill. It's actually back to uh, when I was 18. I, I'm really clear that God wants me to stay put where I am, to be a youth leader, to leading my youngsters back in Malaysia. And the opportunities or the young leaders, the, the youngsters that I'm, I'm actually going to lead are very, um, not very well behaved. I can't really find the right word to explain, but they're very cheeky. They're very, uh, um, they're not that kind of like, you know, well, proper, well behaved kind of young people. They're very um, energetic and cheeky. So initially, I was thinking that, God, are you going to choose this group of people to be my disciples? But I just trust in him. And five years down the road, this group of young people actually had become the new influential leaders in my local church. And some of them, despite some of them, had set apart to some other places to further their studies. But some of them still, the rest of them stay put in where they are. And by looking at their lives, by looking at that beforehand they have no idea how to acknowledge Jesus is the Son of God and until right now acknowledge Jesus is the Son of God and keep doing what they're doing. And it's actually remarkable that, um, that how Jesus can change someone's life when someone has started to put their trust in him. And then a few years down the road, um, me as a uh, um, youth leader come to Christchurch Basin here. It started to, uh, when initially I was really um, concerned, how am I going to start to lead the young people in Christchurch Basin Hill? And I started to encounter Jesus again. 
despite I have those experience, but still I need to encounter him because I have no idea where to start. And throughout this year, there's no specific stories I want to share, but throughout this year, generally, if it's not Jesus walking with me on the water and trying my best to distract, trying my best not to be distracted by those fears and anxiety surrounding me, I can't do this. I can't stand on this stage to preach. I can't lead worship. I can't lead the young people. It's all because my trust in him. And that's all. That's my secret of in various ministries. Lastly, I want to encourage you with this Bible verse. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God said, never, leave, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. It's not just about money. It's anything. It's basically trying to say that put everything underneath God, but put God above all. Because God says, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. Amen.